From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Proposed new laws that critics say would grant the government sweeping powers to effectively censor the internet were debated in Parliament this week. The online safety bill is being framed as a way to modernise how Australia regulates the internet. But concerns have been raised about how broad-ranging it is and what the consequences could be for freedom of expression. Today, lawyer and chair of Digital Rights Watch, Lizzie O'Shea, on the new laws that could change how every Australian uses the internet. Lizzie, the Australian government is really grappling with how to update our laws to better suit the age that we live in, the age of the internet. And back in 2015, it created this new agency to help regulate the internet. Can you tell me about that? So there's a range of different laws that govern many different activities that we engage with online. There was a law that was passed in 2015, which looked at protecting people's safety online. And it created the Office of the E-Safety Commissioner as the responsible office for dealing with that. The legislation will establish the Children's E-Safety Commissioner as an independent statutory office within the Australian Communications and Media Authority to take a national leadership role in online safety for children. So the original idea of the E-Safety Commissioner was to look at protecting children online, uh, but we've seen that expand to also involve some content as it relates to adults. And then this is the latest iteration, this online safety bill that's been introduced recently, which again expands the powers of the safety commissioner and gives them opportunities to take down content where they think it's harmful. There was a lot of discussion about this bill being proposed over previous years, but it's been tabled and uh, consultation has been extremely short through the parliamentary process, which suggests to us that they don't really want to have a conversation about this. They'd rather implement broad-ranging powers for a commission and then leave it to them. Okay, can you tell me a bit more about the intention of the online safety bill and how it's being sold to us? So how politicians talk about it is around promoting and protecting safety online. Cyberbullying, cybercrime, identity theft, abuse and so much more that are faced by Australians of every age and, and every background. As a father, I can't tell you how much that upsets me. Uh, So there's a lot of talk about things like protecting children from online bullying, from online abuse, and adults as well through making complaints to the eSafety Commissioner to deal with content that might be considered abusive or bullying. With a funding boost of close to $50 over three years, my government is supporting the Commissioner's efforts to keep everyone safe online. It's very important to us. So that's the idea that online life can be very harmful, uh, particularly for children, but also for adults. And we need somebody who can could be complained to, who can monitor this and make sure that what we consider to be safe is reflected in our online spaces as well as in the real world. With new laws to push back against those online abuses, and we are setting requirements for digital platforms, the big companies, to keep their users safe and reducing the amount of time harmful con- content can stay up online. We want it taken down. OK, we're being told that it's something that we need to, to keep us safe online and particularly to keep children safe online. But what other effects might it have? Yeah, well, one of our big concerns, I suppose, is that it actually provides broad powers to the commissioner to look around for content that the commissioner might consider harmful 
uh, and then be able to issue notices to take down that content uh, and to set expectations as well as to what constitutes harmful content, so often without any appeal rights, without any transparency as to why a decision might be made. Uh, the current eSafety Commissioner is Julie Iman-Grant. She's got a background in industry. She used to work for Twitter, among other things, uh, and she's well-versed in these kinds of issues and is a big advocate for expanding her powers. Hello, my name's Julie Iman-Grant, and I'm Australia's eSafety Commissioner. A better internet is one where everyone feels safe and respected online so that they're able to identify risks, use technology safely, and report unsafe behaviour. When the current eSafety Commissioner is interviewed about this, she talks about harmful content, which is a very broad term and might mean many different things to different people. When you look at the legislation, it's not just harmful content, but it is a very broad set of content. It generally draws on uh, the classification regime that exists for film and television that people might be familiar with when you go and see a film. That's so like the class- R rating, exactly. MA, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes to ratings classifications... Well, it's seriously important to choose the right movie for every member of the family. R-rated includes lots of films that many people have probably watched who are listening to this. Movies rated R are restricted to adults, 18 years and over. (laughs) Uh, Kill Bill, lots of Quentin Tarantino films are actually classified in that way. And so that content could be subject to a takedown notice by the commissioner. And if you look at the classification regime itself, R18 talks about violence and sex, but it also talks about any content that's not suitable for a minor. And that's a lot of material, as you can imagine. And uh, we have an internet that's full of material that isn't suitable for minors, but we don't take it down because we expect people to be able to consume some of that content consensually and safely. Of course, we believe the online safety legislation that is proposed will enhance our ability to protect Australians of all ages from online harms. And this is precisely our primary mission. So the commissioner talks about targeting harmful content, but I think the powers are much broader than that. Have you thought through how the EU Safety Commissioner will deal with uh, political pressure, um, public pressure in to take down or to, to issue those notices that would take that content down? There are plenty of groups who have entrenched interests in advocating for certain kind of content to not be available online. So will I bow to political pressure? Um, that is not... <laughs> that's that's not... Um, something that um, we've faced before or um, I think should influence any decision that we make. We have to make decisions based on the facts of the case. Um, So religious groups might be concerned about sexual content. People who are against different kinds of sexualities might wish for that kind of content to be taken down because they consider it to be harmful Um, There's lots of different conservative organisations that might be well-placed to put considerable pressure on the eSafety Commissioner to issue removal notices for certain kind of content which they consider harmful for children, I mean, as well as adults. So it's not just the case that mums and dads might be worried about what their children are consuming online and then go to the eSafety Commissioner. I think there's entrenched interests that could advocate to the eSafety Commissioner if such broad powers are given to that office to then use them and use them in ways that are quite socially conservative. And that's what we're up against here. We'll be back after this. 
As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Lizzie, we're talking about the online safety bill and the ways in which some explicit content online, including things potentially like R-rated movies, could be affected. But what are the other ways in which this legislation would empower the the e-safety commissioner to regulate what we see online? Yeah, so the other... The other kind of material that she can issue notices for is violent and abhorrent content. And this is a term that came out of the Christchurch terrorist attacks. Uh, It was a term that was put into the criminal code to deal with that. And I I think a lot of people would agree that it would be terribly inappropriate for it to be lawful, for that kind of live streaming content to be legal. But we've seen in other parts of the world that when these kinds of regimes with terms that are are loosely drafted are implemented, that it can also have an effect on content that's produced to hold power to account. So the, the most obvious example being protests that turn violent or police officers that might inflict violence upon members of the public. This kind of content might be considered unsuitable for minors, but also violent and abhorrent material and might be subject to a takedown notice. In parts of the world like India or or Eastern Europe or Latin America, we've seen blocking regimes exist to serve uh, the purposes of censorship, so uh, avoiding content that might portray violence towards minorities or violence by authorities, um, blocking that preemptively by platforms or by the relevant uh, office holder serves a censorship purpose. And we might not think that could happen here, but it's certainly possible and other countries have tended to use these kinds of powers that are justified around safety for these kinds of purposes and I think it would be naive to assume that that's not a serious risk. And can you tell me about some of those examples from overseas? So the obvious example comes to mind is an equivalent piece of legislation in the United States about online child sex abuse and trafficking that actually affected the sex industry considerably. So even educational sites about um, people working in the sex industry were preemptively shut down. And, you know, that's not content that is associated with prostitution, which was nominally the purpose of that bill, but it's associated with it in the sense that it's providing people with educational opportunities about the industry to work safely. So essentially what it's doing is encouraging those people to work underground instead. Yeah, and I know that there have been similar concerns here in Australia from people within the sex worker industry. Can you tell me about that? They're very concerned. As evidenced by the high volume of submissions from the sex worker community, this is an issue in which sex workers have a great stake. Particularly people who work in the industry, but also just generally about kind of sex positive education that might be available online that then might be subject to these kinds of powers. Uh, And they're organising and agitating. And I think we owe them an obligation to listen to them seriously. When we lose access to, um, to advertising platforms or when we're no longer able to even remotely discuss uh, our services on um, things like social media, um, we also lose income. And of course, there's a cascade of harm that occurs um, when that happens. 
And I I would like to see the safety commissioners set up a proper channel for discussion of those things rather than just assuming that all sexual content online is inherently risky or unsafe uh, and setting that assumption among the public. Mm. And what does all of this tell you about this particular government and the way that it sees its role in this space? Because it seems we're entering into territory that many people would see as, I think, you know, moral decisions being made rather than legal ones. Yeah, I think that it really demonstrates that the government treats us like children. It doesn't think it can have a public discussion about where the boundaries are between autonomy and responsibility, which is what we really need. There's no doubt we need to have discussions about how people can use platforms safely, particularly children, because children are more dependent on it than ever to access things like their education on the internet. And we need to find ways to help them do that safely. Uh, But we also need to have discussions about what kinds of content we think uh, should not be available, where our red lines are, uh, and not make these assumptions, not allow the government to make these assumptions on our behalf. Lizzie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, Australia will send 8,000 doses of its COVID-19 vaccine supply to Papua New Guinea next week, as well as masks, gowns, gloves, ventilators and sanitizer. The COVID-19 crisis in the region is worsening, with more than 1,400 active cases in Papua New Guinea, though health experts fear the real figure is much higher, with massive undetected community transmission. And the next phase of Australia's vaccination rollout is due to begin on Monday. From next week, adults aged 70 years and over, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adults over 55, non-frontline healthcare workers and adults with chronic health conditions will be eligible for the vaccine. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.